0: Good morning, good to see you all here this morning. Uh, those watching online, we're grateful for you as well, but I appreciate your smiling faces here this morning. I remember in the, uh, during the time of COVID, there was only one person here, and it was my wife sitting in front of the camera being my cheerleader. So now I've got lots more people uh, cheering on the Lord. Amen, that's the important part. I want to talk to you today about a subject that's pretty controversial um, within the body of Christ. You've got people on all kinds of sides of it, and uh, I'm not even going to tell you the title of it yet, but I will. Each one of us have had different encounters with Jesus. My prayer is that each one here, you've had an encounter with Jesus, a saving encounter. In other words, that encounter was a salvation encounter. But I want you to realize that there's more to knowing Jesus than just salvation. He wants to be your friend. The Bible says that he sticks closer than a brother. Uh, in fact, uh, that, that only applies if you had a good brother. Uh, some of you maybe, maybe didn't. But, but the idea is that, that he sticks closer than family, as good family sticks closer, that he's there for you. The Bible says that he's your advocate. That means you're go between between uh, you and the Father in heaven as your lawyer in a sense, making intercession for you. You know, so he's he's that. You know, the list goes on and on and on of all the different attributes of who Jesus can be to you. In fact, I believe that you're here today because you believe there's more in Jesus. In fact, if if you got all the info, if you've had everything you need in a sense, why come to church, right? But we come to church to grow in our understanding of who he is. We come, we come to grow in knowing more about who he is and what he's done, you know, both through his word and in our lives personally. But I want to talk to you about Jesus in one special aspect, and it's this, that Jesus wants to be your healer. Now, right away, some of you have, have an issue. Right away, it's popped up. You're thinking of aunt so-and-so that you prayed and, and she died the next day. You think of maybe when you were a kid and you had that little puppy dog that that got ill and and you prayed for that little puppy dog with all your heart, with tears, and and the little puppy passed away a week later. You know, uh, your parents said that they were going to get a divorce and you you prayed and prayed and prayed that, that that wouldn't happen and yet it still did. You know, the list goes on and on of the possible things that you prayed for, for God to intervene in a healing way and maybe he didn't. And so based on your experience you've come to a conclusion that maybe God doesn't heal because of what you've experienced. But let me ask you this. Should we base our faith upon our experience or upon the Word of God? God. And it's the Word of God. Listen to me. If I based my faith on every experience that I had, I wouldn't be standing here today. But what I did as I went through and experienced different things and it didn't seem to go the way I thought it should, I had to say, Lord, I'm trusting you. And I trust your word. I'm not going to trust my experience because experiences come and go, don't they? Feelings come and go. Experiences come and go. Things change. And so you and I have to base our faith, our trust, upon the word of truth, which is unchanging. Because everything else in this world is changing constantly, isn't it? And yet we need to trust God's word. So I want to talk to you about God being a healing God. Now the first thing that he's healed us of is our sins. In fact, that's why here at this church we have an empty cross here. And what does it do? It represents the greatest healing that any person can ever have. And that's the healing of a broken heart, of, of a broken relationship with God. And that through faith in Him and Him alone, and what He did on the cross, that you can have everlasting life. That's the greatest healing that any one of us could ever have, a restored relationship back to the Father in heaven doesn't get any better than that. In fact, I'm going to say something right here and right now. That if that's the only healing you ever receive, can I tell you that's more than enough. Amen. But don't sell God short. I want to tell you something. God wants to do more than that healing. He wants to do even more than you can imagine or dream of. The question is, are you willing to let him do it in your life? And so I want to build a bit of a foundation today to talk about the nature of God and who He is and what He wants to be in our lives. So let let me begin with a scripture back in Exodus 15, 26c. And you might say, well, where did I get the C from? Well, it is such a long scripture. Normally you have just an A and B part, you know, the first part or the last part, but it's so long that there's a C to this one. And here's what it says, I am the Lord who heals you. They're going to put it up here so I want you to have a look at this. This is the first time that God is referred to as Jehovah Rapha. Now, in the Old Testament, we see God being named different names. In fact, he says, I am this. You know, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, right? Uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, that's the, the Lord is my banner over me. You know, all kinds of different names, about 15 or 20 of them, actually. It's pretty cool to do a study of his name because here's the thing. His name denotes his character. And so in this case, he says, he's saying this. I No one else is saying, he says, I am the Lord who heals you. That word Lord there, you know, is Jehovah, which you see written there. And that means the eternal self-existent one. In other words, he doesn't need us. He's always existed in the past, always will exist in the future. But then it's hyphenated to Rapha, meaning I am the self-existent one who heals. Now here's the thing. It's not like... Somebody is here and they have a business, right? And and maybe your business is is, uh, making paper, right? And so you're you're making paper. And then you have like a little side business that you do something else. And you're like, yeah, I, I make paper and I do this as well. Listen to me. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that the very nature and character of God is that he's a healer. It's not that he does it as a side thing. It's like, oh, by the way, I do this as well. It's not like that. It's literally saying who he is. His whole thing. It's like, it's like an apple tree. You have an apple tree, right? What does an apple tree put on its branches? Apples. Well, why does it do that? Why not pears? Why not peaches? No, it's an apple tree, right? In other words, in its DNA, in, it, in, it, in its makeup, that's all it can do. Well, listen to me. God of the Bible, He heals. That's who He is. That's from beginning beginning to end. And so I know that at times we deal with doubts in our minds because of our experiences at times and, and, and the timing of God and like God darn it, gosh darn it, you know can't you just do this? How many people pray to prayer like that? You know what I'm saying? And, and it's like it can get frustrating. But here's the thing. He's God and we're not. This is really important, actually. We're not telling God what to do, but we submit to him. We follow him. We, we, we understand that he's leading us to things, and there's timings of things. But I think where we're going to go today, I hope it helps you to understand how God heals, maybe in a little different way today. But it all begins with knowing that he does heal. You see, if in your mind you think God puts sicknesses on you, then you're going to have trouble getting healed by the same God. And the thing is, there's some religious parts of Christianity, there's some aspects of Christianity that actually teach that, that say that, look at, look it, if you're sick, then it's because of sin in your life. If you're sick, then, then God has put this on you. Well, if you believe that, even a little bit, then you're going to have trouble saying, God, please heal me. Because you're going to say, well, I, I, it must be me. And you can't accept the grace and mercy of God to be healed. So please, if you're one of those people right now, just surrender that way of thinking. Surrender it right now because it is not of God, because God's very nature is He's a healing God. In fact, the scripture I just read from Exodus was just as they were coming out of Egypt and the first part of that scripture, God says this, you know, all the diseases that were upon the Egyptians, I will never, ever put them upon you. And then He said, I am the God who heals you. So what, He was making the difference, right, of saying, look at I only heal. So what I want to do today, in a sense, is is lay a bit of a foundation. And we're going to go and look at Jesus doing a healing. Now, I'll be honest with you. We could probably go to 40 different scriptures. Because all through the Gospels, we see Jesus doing what? Healing. Healing. Why? It's his nature. That's just what he did. In fact, wherever he went, healing was with him all of the time. So let's just have a look at this scripture. It's in Mark chapter 2. So it's really at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and what was he doing? Healing. And so let's look at this. Mark 2, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read it through, then we're going to just dissect this and, and get some truth out of it. So here it is. Mark 2, verse 1, reading from New King James Version. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, nor even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, to Jesus, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Wow. Wow. So I want to just pull some things out of this. And so we go back literally at verse 1. So Mark 2, verse 1, it says, and it was heard that he was in the house. It was heard that Jesus was in the house. You know, in Romans chapter 10, it says, how can people know unless they hear? And then it goes on and talks about, well, they hear because someone is preaching to them or telling them something. And so I want to tell you this, that people heard that Jesus was there because word spread about it. You and I, our job is to spread the word that God still heals today. Now, when I'm talking about that, again, let let me just make myself very clear. Yes, God physically heals. But again, the most important healing of all is a healed heart, a restored relationship back to God. And that needs to be our primary focus. Now, listen, God still wants to physically heal. And I, I want you to realize I'm not digressing from that in any way. But it's our job to let people know that Jesus is in the house. And so my hope is that you believe that Jesus is here this morning with us. And so it's important for you as a believer in Jesus that your friends and your neighbors and the people that are in your life invite them to come and have a Jesus encounter. You might say, well, maybe the pastor might not be so good this week. (laughs) Sorry. But let me tell you something. That doesn't change Jesus being in the house. You know, in fact, let me say this. God will save people despite me. If you get what I'm saying. In other words, if I mess up, you know what, I get the names wrong, I do whatever wrong. It doesn't matter. You know, I've seen it where, where I've done some of the most bad meetings in the past. Like, I mean, like, I just missed it, right? And then at the end, I'm like, oh, Jesus, please help me. And someone comes up, and I'm like, hey, can I help you? And I'm like, I just, God told me to come here to get saved. And literally, I've had that happen. I'm like, awesome, okay, let's, let's do this. And they had, you know, they didn't get anything out of the message, but they came for Jesus. So I encourage you, you know, if you're not ashamed of your Jesus, to let other people know about the Jesus you know. Now, here's the other thing. The enemy will come along and say, but hold it. I haven't been healed completely yet. I got issues. Okay, can I take a survey right now? How many people here still have issues? (laughs) If your hand's not up, you are a liar and you're in church. Like, come on. Come on, you know what I'm saying. And so the reality of it is none of us have arrived. We're we're a work in progress, right? The idea is we, we get saved, we accept Jesus, a healing begins on the inside, but then we're walking through life and experiencing more of the healing of God in our lives. Well, the word healed actually means spirit, soul, and body. It's three parts, right? In other words, the, the, the spirit part is when we're restored back to our relationship with God. But then our soul, that's our mind, our thinking. Listen, between you and me. I'm still screwed up in some of my thinking. Ask Sandra. You know, I say stuff, and she just shakes her head sometimes. She's scared of me sometimes. I'm like, honey, I shouldn't say that in public to anyone, right? She goes, yeah, no, you shouldn't. Yeah. And so the point is that, that I'm still dealing with that. You are as well. But the idea we have less of those moments as we continue to walk with God. Why? Because there's healing that's happening. As each day, we're transformed daily by the renewing of our mind in His Word. That's how it's supposed to happen. And then, obviously, our bodies. You might say, well, hold it. If God's a healing God, you know, I, I still got a knee problem. I still got a leg problem. I still got health issues. Does that stop you from telling someone else about Jesus? And in fact, I believe that it's more genuine. Genuine. Because if you were completely perfect and said, "Hey, you know, come and meet this Jesus I know," they'd be like, "Oh man, I, you know, I can't relate." But if you're like, "Hey, I'm on the road with Jesus, and I'm getting more whole as each day goes on," how would you like to experience more wholeness in your life? Then I'd sign up for that. You know what I'm saying? It's not so much us and them, but rather I'm on a journey. You want to join in the journey with me. That's what God wants to do. Amen? Through you. And so that's how people were filling the house because they heard about Jesus. So I encourage you, let people know about your Lord. He loves it when you do that. Amen? And in fact, my opening line to a lot of people is is like, hey, just so you know, I'm not perfect, but I know somebody who is. How'd you like to meet him? You know, and, and people are attuned to that. They'd love to do that. So, Let's go on. It says this, and he preached the word to them. This is so, so important. You know, the foundation for our healing, for our wholeness in life, is through the word of God. Now, the word, word here in the original Greek is logos, okay? And that's the, the, the word, uh, the, the written word, meaning it, it's, it's something said, okay? So there it is. But there's another word in the Bible for word, and that's the rhema word, and that's something revealed. So here's the thing, though. Everybody wants a rhema word. And a rhema word is a, a word in season, a word that you need to hear at this very moment. But here's the thing. You don't get a word revealed unless it comes out of the word that's been said. And a lot of people don't like that idea because here's, here's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching. That's what he was. He wasn't doing these rhema words. He was teaching the logos word. He was just saying, look, this is what the Bible says. And he was just talking about it. That maybe he even talked about Exodus 15. Because he was going to heal, heal people, right? He was going to pray for the sick. Maybe he was saying, just so you know, God, my Father, is a healing God. Maybe that's where he started. I, I have no idea. When we get to heaven, we can see the tape, right? And see actually what he preached. But I bet you, that's what he was talking about. Why? Because he was laying a foundation, establishing truth, that, that unmovable truth, that God is a healing God. Because let me tell you something, the people of that day weren't so sure of that just like people today, weren't so sure of that. Okay, so let's go on. So, so then here's what happens. He's preaching the word, you know, he's having a great meeting, right? People are, you know, sitting in the windows and they're, they're everywhere, all right? And so then there came to him, to Jesus, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they couldn't come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed which the paralytic was lying. So we got these four guys who brought this crippled person who was literally paralyzed to see Jesus. Why? Why do you think they brought him? What do you think? To be healed, right? Because there he is. He's, you know, he's messed up. We don't know whether he was born that way. We don't know whether an accident's happened. We have no idea. Yet here he is in this state. So his four friends or four acquaintances come along and say, look, we will take you. They can't get into the place, right? Because it's just people. You can't even walk in as a person. Now imagine carrying a stretcher you know, with four people. You're not getting near the place. So one of them, maybe the taller one, maybe somebody like you, Yusuf, looked around and said, hey, let's go on up on the roof. And maybe we can we get there that way. And so they went up. Now back in those days, there was almost always an external staircase leading up to one-story building. That's most of this area where this happened. That's how the buildings were built. So they went up on the roof. So they could hear what was going on, but they still couldn't get to Jesus. So it says they broke through. Now, when I was in Sunday school, they would kind of have, sometimes they even had illustrations. they had a few twigs and they had some straw and they said, this is how they broke through and they moved the straw apart and, and showed how, how, G, how they got through to Jesus. Well, I was lied to. I was deceived as a little child in Sunday school. That's not exactly what happened. Because when they had the staircase going up to the roof, it was there for a couple of reasons. So they could have access to repair the roof is one thing. But actually, people spent time on the roof. They literally went on the roof. So if it was just some straw with some sticks and stuff, you're not walking around on that. That's not how it was. So here's how it was built. They would use like these logs, actually, you know, four, five, six inches fat, and they would lay those. Then they would put smaller sticks, and then some more uh, uh, like straw and stuff. Then what they would do is they would go get clay, mix water with the clay dirt, all right, and put it up on the roof. We, you know, I don't know they had wheelbarrows then, but carry it up, put it on the roof, and, and put about a two-inch layer of this mud and then they would let it dry and this became literally hard like almost like concrete because people spent time in early in the morning in the cool of the day they would actually go up on the roof it's like an open second floor so now all of a sudden now here's the thing these people broke through this roof so this isn't just moving a little thatch around they had to break the clay up move it out of the way all right then go through the small sticks and then move the big stuff out of the way big enough picture this to you know, put down something probably about five feet long, two feet wide, this stretcher thing to lower it down in the presence of Jesus. Now, can you imagine that house owner that day? He's not going to be happy. He's not happy at all. He's using adjectives that I won't use here in church, all right? He's got a problem. I don't care how godly that guy is. His roof's being broken up, all right? And and debris falling down. Now, what about the people who are crowding Jesus? All the debris falling down, crud and stuff, dirt and twigs and sticks can you imagine the disruption I was talking at the first meeting that I was watching this meeting online and this guy's preaching to these people and, and there was a little baby started crying and he, and he stopped the meeting and said ushers you know please you know remove them and, and then he went on to speak about the fact that the Holy Spirit is like a dove and if you, if you disturb if you disturb him he'll like just fly away and I'm like that is the biggest lie there is That's just such a lie here's Jesus did Jesus say anything right there did he say no you stop that get out of here he just kept on preaching I think I think that the problem is is the flesh in our lives when we think that way can I tell you something that God is no dove that flutters away All right. you know I know we have that example you know he's a God of peace and all that that's fine but don't take that to an extreme think of some of the stuff you've done in your life did Jesus fly away from you He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And so here's Jesus. He keeps on preaching. And in fact, to such a point that this is what it says in verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. In other words, he, he applauded them. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'll tell you, as a young believer, I would read that. And I'm like, Jesus, like, what the heck are you talking about? He came because he was crippled. Can't you fix him? Like, you know, I'm just reading this thing, and I'm like, what what is the deal here? What is wrong with you? But here's what Jesus was doing. He was addressing the most important sickness in that man's life. And that was a broken heart on the inside. You see, one of the main doctrines or teachings that were taught to people of that day, and it's still prevalent in some churches Today still. Is it if you're sick or something is wrong with you, then you're cursed of God. God has put that sickness on you. And that's what that man had been living with all of his paralytic life, was that I'm a reject. Some of you feel that way right here, right now. You may not be physically crippled or paralyzed, but on the inside, you're not well, and you believe that God put that on you. That's a lie. And you need to reject that in the name of Jesus because the truth is God is your healer and he's the one that wants to help make you whole. It doesn't even make sense that God would put sickness on you and then you have to cry out to him to make you whole. What kind of schizophrenic God is that? Come on, you know, just get away from that kind of thinking. And yet it's prevalent in some churches and some denominations that that's the way God operates. That is a lie. In fact, we can see here that the religious people... Let's see what they got to say about this, right? They they have a problem, verse 6. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So in a sense, they were right doctrinally that only God can forgive sins, but they didn't acknowledge or believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Can I tell you that he is? Jesus, the Son of God, is God in the flesh, and he's the only one that can forgive sins, and so so we, we go on, uh, and Jesus being God knows everything, right, so in verse 8, immediately when Jesus perceived <clears throat> in his spirit that they they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say arise, take up your bed and walk, so here's the thing, he's making this statement and he's saying which is easier to say now think about this if someone has some internal problem you know and you pray for him and you're like yeah that's okay it's fixed right there's really no outside proof of it is there and so these scribes in their minds are thinking well yeah jesus could say this your sins are forgiven but what fruit is there of it you know how how can you prove that his sins are really forgiven and actually he says which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to rise and be healed can i tell you something it was harder for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven than to heal them. You know why? Because he was going to go to the cross. He was going to pay a tremendous price for you and I for our sins to be forgiven. So let me say something. When he said that, that was not a cheap comment that he made. It wasn't an a, a uncostly comment. It was going to cost him his very life. It was a harder thing to say. But then he goes on and he says, "...but that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins." I say to you, he says to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. (laughs) That's awesome, right? Immediately he arose and was healed. So I've got three comments on this, and I believe that it's going to speak to us in different ways as we bring this to a close this morning. Now the first comment is this, that there may be barriers between you and Jesus. Just as we read that there was a physical roof that was between those five men to get to Jesus, there are barriers in your life and in mine. Those barriers could be, you know, unbelief. Uh, They they could be uh, wrong thinking. In other words, doctrine or teachings that we've heard, and it's keeping us separated from God. Uh, There could be uh, guilt, condemnation, the list goes on and on. You know, experiences, all kinds of barriers. But here's what I want you to know, that if you're willing to break through to Jesus, He'll see your faith. And you might say, but I don't have the strength to break through. Well, I love the painting. I think Michelangelo did this painting where it shows God, you know, with his hand reaching down and, and then, you know, Adam, you know, man reaching back up and they're just touching fingertip tip to fingertip. And here's what God showed. I remember seeing that one day and the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, I'll come as low as I need to to reach out to anyone reaching up to me. And so if you can't quite break through, then he'll break through from the other side and get to you. You hear what I'm saying? The question is, are you pushing To get towards him. That's the important thing. And if you're willing to push towards him and start breaking through as best as you can. I'll tell you something. He will come up and he will meet you and he will help you to finish that breakthrough. And you'll get it. Why? Because God is a healing God. That's his nature. All right. So the next thing is this. The healing you may need first may not be so obvious. Think about that for a minute. This man's sins needed to be forgiven before he could be physically healed. You know, his thinking had to change before God could actually heal him of his physical ailment. In the early 90s, I had an opportunity uh, to do street ministry. I say opportunity. I didn't want to do it. But God made me. Now that may sound a little weird, but literally God made me. I'm not a street evangelist. It's not something I do. That's something I like to do. I do it when I have to kind of thing. Uh, my job is to help other people do what God's called them to do. But I said to God one day, why are you making me do this? Because it, it was, I just didn't like it. He goes, son, you need to know what it's like for the people who are doing it and I've called them to do it. So I'm there with my friend and we were doing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so we got on this bus one day and there's this lady in the wheelchair in the back of the bus. And so we struck up a conversation with her. That's what we did. We just tried to meet and greet people, talk to them about Jesus. So everything's going great, right? The lady knew about God. We're, we're talking about Jesus, saving, you know, all of that. And so it comes near the end where we're, we're like, we're going to get off the bus. And we're like, hey, can we pray for you? You know, and we start to reach out to, to pray for her. She starts screaming. Like, I mean, this lady went, like, from nice to, like, I don't know, like demonic, like, you know, she's just screaming, don't touch me, stay away from me. So we both back away and we're like, hey, you know, okay, we won't touch you. Uh, Why are you screaming now? Now, what she told me was the most shocking thing I've ever heard in my life. Here's what she said. She said, I know that if you touch me and pray for me, I'll be healed. But I also know that if you do that, I won't get disability anymore. So she had the faith to be healed, but not the faith to trust God for finances. I I was speechless. I'd never seen anything in my life. But here's what I learned from that. That was a life lesson for me. Is that sometimes the obvious is really not the problem. And so I've learned now that when people come out, in fact, when Jesus would pray for people, there'd be like blind people. You can read about this. Blind people would come up and he'd say, what do you want? And sometimes when I read that as a young believer, I'd say, well, duh, Jesus, they can't see. Like, what is your... And I realized that, no, he was wanting to know what they really wanted. And so I've learned now that when people come up, I sometimes see them, you know, with their arm in a cast or, you know, they're dragging one leg. And you would think, well, that's what they need prayer for. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I say, what would you like from Jesus? And often it's something not even related to the physical thing that I'm seeing something else, family member something or some kind of internal thing going on, whatever it might be. And so I've learned two valuable things that I need to have an ear to hear what they have to say, the person we're praying for, and also an ear to hear from the Spirit of God what he's saying. And that's so, so important. And so it's so important for you and I to give time for the Holy Spirit to be involved when you're praying for people or interacting with them. And Jesus was the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? And so his example is there for you and I. All right, so healing may not, uh, you may need, the healing you may need first may not be so obvious. And again, we've talked about this, your heart healing is the most important thing of all. Final point is this, you may need some help. Think of that paralytic, right? He, He may not have even had any faith at all because the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. Maybe it was the four guys that carried him and the paralytic... He was literally along for the ride, right? <laughs> you know, they, they had four guys made a show up at his house and said, hey, we're taking you to Jesus. He said, ah, there's no point. And they're like, well, we don't care what you say. We're going to take you anyways. I, I don't know. That may have happened. I heard this story a little while ago uh, about this uh, husband and wife had gone to the doctors. And, and, you know, the husband had had some serious ailments. And so was really concerned that it might be life or death type things. So he went in the doctor first and the doctor explained all the different things going on and said, look at." you know it's it's you know it's bad, you know you but you know if you, you you'll probably be okay, you know if you just do a few things, you'll be okay, so he comes out uh the man comes out, the husband comes out, and the, and the uh doctor says to the wife, "Hey, will you come in for a minute? I just want to talk to you so so husband kind of looks at her, you know, they shrug their shoulders, the wife goes in, and so they're having a conversation in the room with the door closed, and the doctor says, look it, your husband is seriously ill, unless some things happen, you know, he, he's gonna, he's gonna die, he's gonna pass away, so here's what you need to do, and, and so he spent like the next 10 minutes explaining some of the things that she needed to do, like for example, re- remove any stress in his life, so when he comes home, she can't complain about anything, you know, that's going on, you know, just try to treat him nice, when he sits in his easy chair, make sure she puts a pillow under his feet to elevate his legs for blood circulation you know all these all these instructions right so then so then the wife comes out of the doctor's office and the husband says "Uh, what did the doctor say and her response was you're gonna die (laughs) now let me say to you you don't want helpers like that in your life all right you want four people in this case that will carry you they're not saying you're gonna die you're gonna die as they're carrying you along you know what I said? You need people who will care for you and love you. Says so here's the reality of it, in our lives. Remember, I said we're not all healed totally yet. Sometimes we're the one in the stretcher. Other times we're the one carrying the stretcher. Just it changes depending on where we are in our walk with life and who's around us. So each and every one of us are dealing with different aspects of this. So here's my word to you, is that you can't do this alone. You need help. You need the body of Christ to help you. Don't be afraid or ashamed to ask for help. That's what we're here for. As a church, that's what the leadership are here for. That's why we do prayer every week for an hour online. That's why you can text us, you know, 24 hours a day. You can email us 24 hours a day. You can call us. We will be there for you. You may need some help. You may need someone to carry the corner of your stretcher to Jesus. Don't be ashamed of that. We've all been there, and we all will be there as time moves on in our lives. Amen? Let's stand together. You know, this was an introduction in a sense. Um, next week, it's going to be more the how-to. How to receive the healings that God has for you. And we're going to dig a little bit more into that. But just with every head bowed, just for a moment, I'm just going to ask a question. I'm not going to make you do anything, just so you know. But other than ask you to respond right there in, in where you're standing. And it's this. Do you need healing in some way, shape, or form in your life? And if it's so, just put your hand up. That's all. It's just to acknowledge to the Lord. That's about the same as the first service. Over half the people put their hands up. You can put your hands down. Father, you see each and every person here. And Lord, you know the barriers that are keeping us from that healing. And so, Lord, we don't want to put you in a box in any way. But Lord, whatever we need to do, whatever we need to do to position ourselves to receive healing from you, please direct us. We call upon your name right now. We thank you that you are your very name, Jehovah Rapha, that you are a healer, that you are the healer, that healing is in your name. And so we accept that. We reject any false teaching that has come across our paths that has been ingrained in our lives that somehow you don't heal today. For Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means if you heal then, you heal today as well. And we accept that and we believe that and we confess it. And so, Lord, right at this very point in time, I do pray for healing for individuals at this very moment in time. I pray, Lord God, that you would just sweep through and just touch and minister. And, Lord, my prayer is that you bring healing, the most important healing of all, that if there's someone watching or someone here right now that, that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would turn to you and cry out to you and you would come and flood their hearts and they would receive the greatest healing of all, a restored relationship back with you. But Lord, I pray for all the other healings that are needed here and necessary and I pray that this would be a week of healing as we seek your face and we push through and break through to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you this morning.